0: Father, thank you that you hear our prayer. Thank you that we can bring need and requests and burdens. Uh, Lord, even the, the things that we think that we're hearing from you, the vision that, that we're trusting you to, to, to see and to follow according to your word. Uh, God, you have to lead, guide, and direct. You have to provide. And Lord, what we're doing and asking these things, we're trusting that you'll do it according to your wisdom in your timing according to the pleasure of your will, Lord. It's, uh, it's you and you alone that, that, that can do all things well. And so, Lord, we're coming together as a people of faith to agree together and, and to trust you. Uh, Lord, you've got us, you've got our need, you've got, you got the situations that we're facing. Uh, you are in control. And so we pray all of this in the name of the all in all, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, uh, hopefully, did everybody get notes on the way in? If you didn't get notes and you want notes, just raise your hand and somebody will hook you up. Um, okay, just keep your, you'll have to keep your hand up and Connections will just have to keep an eye out. But there should be a digital copy. Tad, did the digital copy get online? And so we've got that there for you as well. So we're back in Ephesians 4. I know it's been a minute, but we're looking at right relationships. And from Ephesians 4, we saw that relationships in Christ work because of who we are in Christ. That's everything that we've been seeing so far in Ephesians. Who we are in Christ is what makes our ability to relate rightly with one another possible. It's how he designed us. Uh, Everything from the pastors and teachers to every joint, every member, every part of the body all working together to build up the body of Christ to edify them to have the mind of Christ. And so now in the second half of Ephesians 4, what we need to see is that relationships in Christ work because we've learned Christ. Man, if God's people are being edified, if they're growing in the mind of Christ, well then they know how to talk right, act right, live right, they know how to treat each other. See, last time, We saw the results of a life in Christ, the results of an edification edification ministry in a local church, and that results in a changed life, fundamental transformation in a person's life. Uh, Connections, we still got a hand up. We're just gonna torture Anita. Anita, we're gonna see how tough you are, how long you can last. So, okay, there's uh, Mitch came through. Uh, Oh, we we got handouts over here too. So you may have to wave your hand. If your hand is... Especially if you're short, you gotta wave that hand. So, okay, was it, that wasn't an insult? That was just observation. What in the world? Sorry, Anita. Okay, so uh, you know, a person that has has been edified, they've gotten the mind of Christ, they've been matured in their faith, they're gonna live and act different. If you're if you're living like the lost world, something's fundamentally wrong something has massively short-circuited. In Ephesians 4:17, we see how the lost, you know, we see how they live. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you walk henceforth not as other Gentiles walk. How, do the, how does your garden variety lost man walk in the vanity of their mind? Uh, empty pursuits, <laughs> fruitless, fruitless function, right? And the reason why they live that way is because they don't know right. Verse 18, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. They can't see truth, so they don't learn truth. They don't get accountable to truth. They don't apply truth to their life. And of course, they're gonna live in error. Uh, People get upset over how lost people live. Man, lost people are gonna live lost. Uh, I mean, that, that's how they're gonna live. We need to pray that God would bind the little g God of this world, bind Satan from their life and open their eyes so that they would see the light of God's word. They'd see truth. It's, it's blindness of heart. Verse 19, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. So here it is, verse 20. That's how the lost live, but ye have not so learned Christ, You've learned to live different. You've learned to live in a way that reflects who you are in Christ. So the first half of Ephesians 4 is all about who you are in Christ. The second half is gonna be all about what you do now that you're in Christ, now that you've learned Christ. And so what follows is incredible. I mean, here in the back half of Ephesians 4, we see the reality of a changed life. Someone who is a different person because they've, they've been conformed or they're being conformed. They're maturing in their faith. They're learning the word of God. They're applying it to their life. It's a life lived that's pleasing to God. So what's the focus, the overwhelming focus of the second half of Ephesians chapter four? Here it is. How we relate rightly with one another, right? How we relate rightly to each other. Last time we finished with our need to put on the new man, to live Christ. So now, verse 25, Ephesians 4, verse 25, now we need to speak truth with one another. Ephesians 4, 25 says, wherefore, because of who we are in Christ and what we've learned, how we've learned Christ, how does our life look different now? Well, we quit lying. Wherefore, put away lying Every one has to speak truth with his neighbor. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. And this is hard because we need each other. We need each other to tell the truth. Man, sometimes you just want to hear a lie, don't you? How do I look? How do I look? Come on, say it. So I was like, "You look great, Pastor." Well, yeah, because we're talking about speaking truth, okay? I know. No, sometimes we just want people to lie to us. Uh, I I know how I look. I've mentioned this before. I look like Mike Miles. Pray for me. <laughs> I mean, but we need each other. Like it's speaking truth is how we get accountability. Amen. Sometimes we need to hear. Uh, sometimes we need to hear the uh, unvarnished truth. Sometimes we need, we need our brothers and sisters to speak plain to us. Again, this is key, remember the goal of our communication is what? It's edification. How are we gonna be built up in our faith? How are we gonna move forward in faith if all we're getting is, is confused feedback? I mean, if we're living life clueless, we're walking away where every time we turn around we're just perpetrating and nobody's calling us on it, that's not healthy for us. We need each other to tell the truth. That truth should build us up in what is true. Okay, Ephesians 5, go back to verse 14. Remember, your function as a joint in this church is to speak the truth in love, Ephesians 4, 15. Speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head even Christ. Our speaking truth in love to one another is what God uses to mature us all in our faith, to give, you know, help us all get the mind of Christ applied, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. Every member is a joint in this church. Every member enables movement and function in the body. Every member should be a, a fount of truth that's building up the thinking, the right thinking processes of the brothers and sisters you're connected to. Man, if everybody's minding and speaking the same thing, that's good for everybody. And what this does, it's, it, it should be effectually working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying, the building up of itself in love. So we gotta speak the truth in love to one another so as to build one another up in their faith. We don't speak truth in a way that tears people down. Okay, that's what we want to avoid. I mean, some people are like, man, I just gotta get real. I just gotta, I just gotta get real, I gotta, I gotta tell it like it is. Sometimes you wanna speak the truth, don't you? I mean, there's a right. Okay, some people could invest in mouthwash. I mean, just saying. And, 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 and they, they could learn personal space and they're talking to you and you're trying to, you're speaking truth, you're doing it with your feet and they're talking to you and what are you doing? You're like. <laughs> you're trying to get the proper distance so that you're not smelling the, the, the chronic, just demonic halitosis. <laughs> and I know, that's me sometimes. You preach two services at the end of the second service Come get up in my grill, I got a present for you, okay? <laughs> okay, so what, you know, like, okay, so, uh, the, the, this again, I'm just being silly, but an improper way to communicate that would be, you stink to high heaven, I don't want you in my life. There's a level at which that's true, right? You don't want them in your face, you don't want them in your life that closely, but you know, maybe just offer them a stick of gum I don't know, I mean, uh, make your point in a way that it's a blessing and it's a help to someone. Okay, again, that's a silly illustration, but is it communicating the concept? Are you guys tracking with me? Um, you know, a lot of people under the banner of tell the truth and make the devil a liar end up cutting up their brothers and sisters in Christ in the process. And, in, 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 you know, in, in using the sword of truth, they end up killing the faith and the growth of their brothers and sisters in Christ. Brothers, sisters, you can say hard things but your sister, your brother must know that you have their best interest at heart. That what you're saying, right? You're saying what you're saying so as to see them benefited, to see them advance with Christ. Wives, just because your husband needs to know something, okay? If you're, if you're in the process of communicating truth to your husband, if you're making him miserable, that's not a blessing for your marriage. Husbands, in speaking truth to your wife, right? If you're driving her away, that's not blessing to your marriage. Can this person that God's placed in your life that needs the truth that you have for them, can they see that you're falling all over yourself to keep their heart, to get their heart, to keep their heart? To, to faithfully steward their heart. Philippians 2 verses five through eight should be our heart for one another. We ought to esteem each other better than ourselves and we ought to lay our lives down seeing the people that God has in our life blessed. That you're not saying hard things to vaunt yourself, to advance your agenda. That you're not saying hard things to put somebody, you know, you're gonna put somebody in your place so that they're going to now kowtow to you, or or, or 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 be afraid of you, or or make sure they don't get in your way—that kind of thing. You know, a lot of a lot of times in the in the name of truth, you got a lot of people just being bullies. If somebody's missing truth, that ought to break your heart, fill you with compassion, and and cause you to get full of faith to trust the Lord to give you the ability to give them that truth. And the attitude behind it ought to be, I wanna see you do well, right? That's what we, we wanna communicate. Because it has to fall out, you didn't do it right if it doesn't fall out to edification. If somebody's faith is sidetracked, derailed, crushed, <laughs> diminished because of the truth you're speaking into their life, if they're not growing closer to Christ, if they're not being more fitly compacted with the body based on your comms, then you're not doing it right. Uh, maybe what you need to do is get some counsel, right? Go talk to your pastor before you go talk to sister so-and-so, brother what's-his-face, and destroy them. See, here's the thing. We have to speak truth with one another because it's for our own good. It's for our own welfare. Welfare is your next blank. See, the text goes on to say, for we are members one of another. Why would the eyes ever want to deceive the feet or see the feet hurt? I mean, why would they ever want that? Hey, walk over there, there's no pit there. Ha <laughs> ha, you fell in. We fell down, wait a minute, I have some dirt in my eye. I mean, how, how is the eye blessed in, in shorting and in, in destroying the rest of the body? It, it, it'd never do that. So this is key, one member cannot injure or deceive another without injuring himself. You hurt your brother, you hurt your sister, and in the moment it felt good to do it, you wicked person, you're being wicked when you do that. Okay, you hurt them and, and you enjoyed that, putting them in their, you're, if they're not edified, you have just actually hurt yourself because we're members one of another. Man, what we're talking about here is self-mutilation of the body of Christ. God forbid that this body would ever mutilate itself. We should nurture and care for it, just like the Lord nurtures and cares for us. So we only hurt ourselves by not speaking truth and love to one another. Any member of your body, right, should tell the truth to the rest of the whole. Why? Why, why is it your responsibility to speak truth and love? Well, because we wanna preserve the wellness of our life together. Wellness is your next blank. example that I can give is the hand would never say to the body, Uh, that fire's not so hot, go ahead and jump in. (laughs) Ha, 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 you're on fire. Oh, wait, I am too, you know, like, that doesn't happen, does it? No, 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 the hand, when it gets close to the fire, it's like, hey, we need to, heads up, everybody, we need to stay away from that. We need to give that proper respect and proper distance, right? I mean, you touch a hot stove one time and you're educated for life. You're gonna actually do a little math every time you interact with a stove, See, God made us, you know, Paul talks about a church biting and devouring itself, you know. God help us, let that never be true of us. God's made us for so much more. He's made us for better than that. Colossians 3.9 tells us to lie not one to another, seeing that you put off the old man with his deeds. Uh, he told the church this in Ephesians 4. We don't want to walk like the Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, being blind to the truth. Verse 10 says, so you put off the old man with his deeds, but then you put on, verse 10, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. All right, verse 26. I think we talked about this um, I think it was this last Sunday, didn't we talk this Sunday about keep your commitments? Because you incense people when you don't keep your word, when you don't keep your commitments. Uh, Remember Judah and Tamar, he lied to her, put her off, put her away. You know, just try to keep her quiet and compliant with lies. (laughs) and uh, she took matters into her own hands. Man, you know, if somebody is not speaking truth to you or they're not speaking truth to you in love, uh, you could respond wrong. So verse 26, don't be a rager. Rager is your blank. I know it's not a word, but it's cool, so put it in there. Don't be a rager. Verse 26 says, be angry and sin not. There's a wrong, there's a wrong um, idea that Christians should never get angry. Um, no, the Bible tells you, I mean, you're going to get angry, and so the, the command is, be angry and sin not. Christians cannot be neutral. They can't be pleasant in a battle for righteousness and truth. Uh, there are times where you're going to have to take hard stands. Uh, there are times whenever you have to stop someone who is lying, who is perpetrating, who is doing damage. Uh, there is such a thing as righteous anger, um, where you're agreeing with God over some wickedness. For example, you see in scripture that the believer hates lying. In a New Testament dispensation, you can, you can hate lying, but, but you know God loves the liar. So how do you be angry over the liar, what the liar is doing, and sin not? Well, you want the liar to deal with the sin, but you don't have the goal of their destruction. So for example, okay, here's Jesus. Here's how he's rolling, the, the, the testator has not died yet, the age of grace is not here yet, but Christ is gonna model for his disciples what he's looking for, now watch this, Mark chapter three, verse five, he entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man there which had a withered hand, and they watched him, whether, we'd he, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. This is our chance, he might help this poor guy whose life is a mess, and now we got him. <laughs> it's very wicked. And he saith unto the man which had the withered hand, stand forth, and he saith unto them, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days, or to do evil, to save life, or to kill? But they held their peace, now watch this, verse five says, and when he had looked round about them with anger, the gentle Jesus is full of anger over people who don't care about this guy whose life is full of suffering. They're looking for his helping this man to be an opportunity for them to entrap him. So he responds with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts. And he saith unto the man, stretch forth thine hand, and he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. What's Jesus doing there? He's angry at their sin. You can be angry over sin, over the hardness of heart, but sin not, right? Christ wasn't angry over some personal affront. His anger was over their attitudes and actions. You see, the moment that self-rights, self-desires become the point of anger. Well, then now you're flirting with sin. Be angry over the sin that separates people from God. And what was Christ's response later on as he looks at Jerusalem, led by these same religious rulers who are refusing to receive him as the promised Messiah? He's weeping over them. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, right? That, he's, his heart is crying out over these people led by these un- uh, functional unbelievers. It's like I would have gathered you like a hen gathers her chicks under, his, her, under her wings. Like I want you in my life. So never forget, you are an ambassador for Christ. Never forget, you are a follower of Christ. You are to walk in your master's footsteps. That makes you, uh, that makes you someone who has been placed in the ministry of reconciliation. You have a place in seeing Wicked sinners reconciled back to God. Good luck berating people to Jesus. However, recognize God's position on wickedness. Psalm 7 verse 11 says, God judgeth the righteous. God is angry with the wicked every day. But at the point of repentance, man, all is right and he remembers their sin no more. It's as just, it's just removed from him as the east is from the west. Man, how awesome is God? I mean, think about that, how messed up you were. When, you remember when you were at enmity with God, when you were God's enemy? Had you died in that condition, you would have spent eternity suffering God's wrath. How awesome, how awesome is the forgiveness of God? It's complete, it's total, it's comprehensive. We gotta follow in his footsteps. Point two B, we gotta fix the right focus. Verse 26 says, be angry and sin not. You know, sometimes you're gonna blow it. Sometimes sometimes, uh, anger is gonna catch you by surprise and, and you're gonna hurt people. And you may be tempted to say, you know, yeah, when I get mad, you know, I got a temper. When I get mad, I blow up, but then I'm fine. You know, once I blow up, I'm fine. Well, yeah, like a shotgun, but look at the damage that's left behind. You're fine, but nobody else is fine. You're fine, but everybody else has got holes in them. You can get over it, but now you've spread your dysfunction. That's why you've got people in your life that dread your approach. Because, you know, you, give, you cut yourself a lot of slack. You know, that's just, I'm a, I'm, you know, I'm a hothead. Uh, I've got a temper. And sometimes, you know, I just have to blow up. And then once I do, once I blow up, I get my yelling, screaming fit done. Well, then I'm fine and everything's good. No, it's not, you deluded person. No, it's not. You've got people in your life that dread your approach because they cannot trust you. Your anger is not licensed to sin against the people that God has in your life. Your anger is not licensed to attack the people that God's placed into your care, member, joint in this body. You've got a responsibility to care for the people around you, not blow them up because they didn't meet your expectations. Ephesians 6, 2, or 6.12 says, we don't wrestle, right? We wrestle not against flesh and blood. The, the, I mean, the warfare that we wage is against spiritual wickedness in high places, not your brother or sister in Christ. Okay, so how do I deal with my anger? Uh, people hurt me, there's pain. How do I keep from exploding in wrath? I mean, how do I do this? Well, verse 26b says, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, right or wrong, when issues come up, you have to deal with those conflicts, those issues right away. In other words, don't let it fester in your life. So whether you blew it, okay, man, get it right. Um, if it's something that's, that's tempting you to cross the threshold into sin, um, go get it right, right away. And again, the key is found, Look at it, we'll see this when we get down to the end of the chapter, but look at verse 30. Ephesians 4 verse 30, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby ye are sealed until the, day, until the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger, there it is, wrath and anger, clamor and evil speaking, be put away from you. You don't get to hang on to it. So it has to be dealt with. It has to get worked out. And, you, and, and, and notice, let not the sun go down on your wrath, upon your wrath, that means it's gotta be done right away. You, you do it quickly. You don't, you don't let it, you don't put it in a pot and let it simmer. You know why a lot of you guys have some relationships that are so dysfunctional? It's because you didn't follow. You, somebody hacked you off and you didn't deal with it and now here is a part of your life where the Holy Spirit is grieved and you wonder, Well, you know, it affects every other area of your life. A grieved Holy Spirit, that's not good for you. Man, for so many people, they get hurt, and I just, I don't even know how, I don't even know the right way to communicate this so that people will hear it and receive it. Um, The best I can come up with is just, why don't you just die already? Just die to yourself already, and love people unconditionally. Why don't you get full of faith and full of the love of Christ, and just love people unconditionally? Why don't you just die already and just get full of love for God and the people of God? Yeah, they're not gonna meet your expectations. Yeah, they're gonna hurt your feelings. We'll call the whambula, okay, I'm being cruel now. (laughs) I'm being a jerk, I'm sorry. But I mean, at some point, grow up and just recognize you got people in your life that are made of dirt They're not gonna meet your expectations. Jesus bled out buying them back from their sin. And you can't die to yourself and love them anyway and wanna be a blessing to them, wanna help them. Got so many marriages that are dysfunctional because wives or husbands are bitter at one another and they can't just die already and love God and love God's people. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger, clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. See, the antidote to wrath is to put on Christ. We saw that uh, in Colossians. Uh, Colossians, what was that? Uh, Colossians 3, 9 and 10. Look back up on your notes uh, under uh, point 1b. We don't lie because we're dying to self. Do you see that in verse nine? And then in verse 10, what's the solution? Put on the new man. Die to self, live Christ. That's always the answer, okay? So here it is again, the antidote to wrath. Look at Ephesians 4, verse 32. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Do you see it? Die already. Love God, love people. live Christ. So you cannot live life productively in a state of rage. You can't do it. And here's the problem. If you don't deal with this biblically, right? if you live like the lost world around you, you end up making space for the enemy to operate in your life. You end up becoming a demonic stronghold. I'm not saying that you're demon-possessed on your way to hell, I didn't say that, okay? If you're saved, you are doomed to heaven. But you can be used of the enemy to sow dysfunction in your local church, in your marriage, in your relationships. If you, don't, if, you li- if, you, if you deal with this the way the lost world does, you make space for the enemy to operate in your life. Look at verse 27. It is no surprise what comes next. Why, because you don't want to give the enemy room to operate in your life. Verse 27 says, neither give place to the devil. So get this down in your notes. Anger undealt with turns to wrath, and then wrath gives the devil space to operate in your life say, why do you say that? Why are you making that connection? I thought these were just two standalone verses. Well, they are. You don't ever wanna give you don't ever want to give place to the devil, right? I mean, you could be the happiest person in the world. You still don't wanna give place to the devil. They're next to each other for a reason, though. We find out that Satan is a murderer in John chapter eight and verse 44. That's who he is, so that's what he does. Satan is a murderer, and Satan hates God. Can't kill him. He hates God's people. Best he can do there is get him physically. But when he finds a believer with anger in his heart, he's gonna fan that flame of hate. He's gonna give them all the ammo they want to just keep, you know, some of you, the reason you keep, you get stuck, uh, something went wrong in a relationship, you know what you're doing, right? You just keep pushing play on that tape recorder and you just keep running it over and over, in your li- uh, over and over in your mind, what they said, what they did, how they hurt you, and you, just keep, and you just keep hanging on to that, and you just get more and more angry toward that person, more and more bitter toward that person, you start praying prayers like, God, if they don't repent, take them home. I mean, literally, you're putting in a request, God, would you murder my enemy? I mean, you do that, right? What's that? What, what is that? That's Satan. Satan is, is, is like, hey, let's play that tape again. Let's, let's play that home movie again. Here, let me put it fresh on your mind. Here's a little, de- here's a little detail that you missed. Uh, here, you know what probably their motivation was with all of that, and now that becomes fact. Pretty soon, you're just full of evil surmisings about everything that's going on. What's happening? Satan's adding fuel to the fire, and that does great damage to your walk, your growth in Christ. It does great damage to God's people and God's church. Both lying and anger undealt with give place for Satan to operate in your life. So this is why you have to deal rightly with the points of offense. See, don't be like this. There's this guy that left home from work, or he left from work one Friday night, and he doesn't go home. Instead, he stays out all weekend partying. He's partying with the boys. He spends up the entire paycheck. When he finally drags sorry, sorry carcass home on Sunday night, He's confronted by a very angry wife. She's just enraged and he was barraged for nearly two hours with a tirade and it was befitting his actions, but man, she just just was letting him have it. Finally, she stopped yelling and she just said to him, how would you like it if you didn't see me for two or three days? To which he replied, that would be great with me. So Monday went by and he didn't see his wife. Tuesday and Wednesday came with the same results. Come Thursday, the swelling went down just enough where he could see her a little bit out of the corner of his left eye. Okay, he had it coming. Okay, if you didn't get it, she blacked both of his eyes, right? She punched him close. Okay, so he had it coming. Oh, did you just get that? Okay, it's not a good joke if you have to explain it. Get this down in your notes. Anger and wrath undealt with, risk becoming bitterness and hatred toward your brother in Christ. And that grieves the spirit. Verse 30, grieves the Holy Spirit. Why? Because you've given the devil a place to operate, a place to dwell. You, 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 You hung up a vacancy sign for him. You gave him a place to dwell in your life. That word place in your Bible means just what it, it's a spot. Right, it's a, it's a home, it's a room, it's a dwelling. So get this down in your notes, I hope, I hope you hear what I'm saying. Satan works through a hate-filled heart. That heart that's full of bitterness, wrath and rage, that's not, that's not the Holy Spirit, that's another spirit. God isn't leading you, you, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to go past righteous indignation to just full out carnality. Beware. Satan's goal is to control the Christian through the old man, through the old nature, and have you act out in hate toward another member. And that results in corruption spreading systemically through the whole body. Hebrews twelve fourteen says, we're to follow peace with all men in holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled." You hear that? Your brothers and sisters in Christ are worth being right with. You don't get to just throw them away. Follow peace with all men in holiness. Don't, I mean God's grace It's sure, it's active, it's trustworthy, it works. Don't fail of the grace of God. Don't let a root of bitterness mess you over and end up being used of Satan to mess everybody else up too. Cain didn't beware, Genesis 4 verse 5. God didn't have respect to his offering because Cain didn't bring him the right offering. Cain was very wroth, there it is again, he's full of wrath. Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell and the Lord said unto Cain, why art thou wroth and why is thy countenance fallen? You're mad because I accepted your little brother's offering. You're mad because of my accept- acceptance of your brother's right actions. So why don't you just follow in your little brother's footsteps. Verse seven, if thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. Like you can, you can bring an offering that I'll accept, Cain. Just do the right thing. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. Abel wasn't his enemy. Abel's works were righteous, his own works, Cain's own works, they were wicked, weren't they? Yet he was mad that God didn't take the best that he could bring to God. The works of his hands, right? The things that he grew, the fruit of his ability, didn't satisfy God. It wasn't the shedding of innocent blood and instead of getting educated, he got full of bitterness and it didn't just defile his relationship with his little brother, well it did, but it did more than that. Satan used him to take out half, fully half the seed of the woman (laughs) the promise of Genesis 3.15. rage and wrath, you make space, you make a place for the devil in your life, and then you end up justifying to yourself how to act out to harm your brother, your wife, your husband, your sister, the body. And that's the way sin always works. You didn't meet my expectations, therefore you're my enemy. Now I'm justifying, perpetrating against you. You just mark it down, husbands that cheat on their wives. They lie to themselves about how they deserve it it over all of the pain, the trauma, the difficulty that she brought into the relationship. And again, I, I wish I could say this in a way. There's people in this room, you need to hear this. Just die already. Give up on your rights, right? Die to your expectations, die to your rights die to being right, just love your brother or sister in Christ, get full of faith, love God, love God's people, lay your life down trusting, some people won't take anything from you, they won't hear anything from you. You can speak the truth in love all day long and they won't hear it, they won't receive it, that's their problem. Just don't let let them keep you held hostage, forgive them. If Christ can hang on the cross of Calvary and say, to the Father about his murderers. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You can forgive someone for hurting your feelings. You can forgive someone for saying something that you thought was mean or inappropriate or hurtful to you. At the end of the day, come on, you're not that big a deal. None of us are, right? Are you such a big deal that everyone has to meet your exacting specifications? Expectations. Man. Just die already. Give it up. Forgive. Get full of faith. Get full of the love of God. Just decide you're gonna love God and love his people. There are so many people, I'm thinking over the years, just how many? How many people that could be so fruitful in ministry? And instead of their lives being full of fruit, they're just full of bitterness. There are brilliant Bible teachers. I mean, there are, there are guys that I've talked to the Lord about that I'd covet to have for LFBI. Um, guys who are, I mean, the, the most brilliant people I know, some of the most gifted people that I know, they're not investing in the kingdom today. They're just full of bitterness. Satan won. So what's the difference I need to make a decision if I'm going to be angry it's going to be about God's rights God's offenses not mine he's the only one that's the big deal again I'm not quoting him because he's a Bible scholar I'm just going to quote him because this is right Aristotle said anyone can become angry but to be angry with the right person to the right degree at the right time for the right purpose and in the right way this is not easy well amen that's true we need the grace of God don't we can we pray for that? Can we pray that we just get over ourselves and decide that we're not a big deal? The only big deal is Jesus and who he is and what he's done in our life. We, could, I mean, we can handle a lot of dysfunction that gets shoveled on us. Amen? You know, the people that hurt you, well, most people that hurt you, it's because they're hurting, too. Um, you know, they, need to, they probably need to be told stop it Wise up, grow up, start flying right. They may or may not be able to receive it. Don't let them keep hijacking you. You know, it comes into focus when your concern is anger over when God's rights are violated and a desire to see reconciliation with God. That person that hurt you, man, God, I want them to be right with you. If they're right with you, we'll be good. Can we just have a season of prayer before we close? I'd like us to to do that. I'd like us to pray for one another. Uh, We don't want room, we don't want to make place for the enemy to operate in our relationships. And so, you know, some of you, you may just need to trust the Lord for grace to die to that bitterness, that root of bitterness that's that's in your heart, that's taken root. Maybe you want some of the pastors or deacons, some of the elders, uh, to just get hands on you and pray for you. I want to invite you as we close, just come forward and just kneel on the front row here and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll pray with you. We'll ask God uh, that, that he would just commend grace, <laughs> that you'd be able to see it and receive the grace of God. It's there, it's available, uh, but you need grace to just die to that and to get full of faith, to get full of love for God and God's people, amen? And so uh, everybody grab a prayer partner if you need particular prayer, just come, get on your knees, And uh, one of the pastors, one of the deacons, one of our elders will pray for you. All right? Does that sound good? Let's have a short season of prayer before we dismiss.